0: Well, well, good morning, everyone. Hope everyone's doing well. Um, I'm going to actually, yeah, just pray. I'm going to pray one more time, too, because that'd be helpful for me. Um, Lord God, thank you so much for this community. Jesus, I just ask for you to protect and guide uh, my words, Lord, that you would be uh, here. We know you're here. We trust you, Lord God. Um, We give this all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen so um, today we're going to be talking about uh, matthew three thirteen through four eleven um, and as you all are turning about it, i'll just give a quick intro to it it's uh, um, the passage is Jesus going into the desert for forty days um, to fast um, to be alone and to be and he was tempted by the devil um, and so i'm going to start reading that passage to begin with. We actually are going to start a little bit before that um, Matthew chapter three. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted forty days and forty nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, all of these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly the angels came and waited on him. So in this passage at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, actually even before the beginning, we see Jesus baptized with the Holy Spirit and led into the wilderness for 40 days of fasting and prayer. Um, this passage is obviously loaded with significance, but what we're going to focus on today is the concept of solitude. I'll give a quick caveat and say that I really love solitude. I love reading about it. I love thinking about it. I love talking about it. I love imagining myself on like some mountain somewhere hiking with the perfect amount of beard stubble and just thinking about life, looking at the stars. Um, the one thing I don't like about solitude, though, is actually experiencing it. Um, So I say that because, um, unfortunately, I can't really talk about this from a wealth of experience. But fortunately for us, Jesus has a model here that we can learn a lot from. The solitude we find Jesus seeking in this passage, this time of prayer and fasting, can be really different from our modern conceptions of solitude when we think about it. When I hear about solitude, I often think about um, some kind of mountain retreat where you can get away from the hustle and bustle of life and just have some peace and some quiet and some relaxation. It's a a respite where we can just get away. And, 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 And when I'm in those situations, when I do find myself in solitude, I often find myself... Like taking a picture of my book that I'm reading or the cup of coffee and like posting it to social media. And even though that's cheesy, I think the reason I do that and we do that is because we, when we're experiencing it, we understand we're experiencing something really precious and we want to be able to share it. And we want to express that. But many times solitude is not a relaxing mountain retreat. Instead, it can often be a journey into our own loneliness, our own pain, and our own suffering. For Jesus in this passage, we see a series of 40 days that is described as one of the most physically and spiritually demanding periods of his ministry. And in this passage, we are really confronted by two key things that we're going to talk about, the importance of solitude and the difficulty of solitude. The fact that Jesus went into a period of 40 days of solitude before starting his ministry is by itself really significant. This is something he has led to do before he heals a single person or teaches any of the parables that are recorded in the Gospels. But in addition to this period of 40 days, we see Jesus actually prioritize solitude throughout his ministry. It's a consistent theme that we see him return to again and again. We see Jesus seeking solitude before making important decisions. In Luke, before choosing his disciples, he spends all night um, praying on a mountainside. And Jesus, after learning that his friend, the very person in this passage who baptized him, John the Baptist, dies. He withdraws by boat into a solitary place to pray. We also see Jesus removing himself and seeking solitude after performing miracles, like after feeding the 5,000, or after healing the man with leprosy, after which the crowds are pushing against him with their sick friends and family who need to be healed. And finally, we see Jesus seeking solitude in Gethsemane, where he's praying this night he's going to be betrayed before he goes to the cross. The fact that disciples took time in the precious few pages we have about Jesus to describe his time of solitude is really, it's really interesting. It's kind of crazy even. Because this is someone who is teaching and healing and doing fantastic miracles. But for some reason, those times when Jesus goes away from the crowds and even his own disciples to pray is carefully recorded. We can see that Jesus prioritized solitude. And this is something that can really speak to us. We all have enormous demands on our time, um, especially in today's age. Um, you know, we're, some of you all are students, some are parents, some are taking care of friends and family members, some are working, some are looking for work. But regardless of who we are, we all have enormous demands on our time. Um, we have a lot of things that are looking for our attention. But despite the demands for Jesus' time, we see the, the, we see the Son of God, who actually has the power to bring physical and spiritual healing into the world to people who desperately need it, take time to go alone by himself and pray. The Christ, taking time away from teaching and working and healing to spend time alone with his Father in heaven. We see him dismiss the crowd and go spend time in solitude. And we can assume that this isn't selfishness, that there's something here that is important to Jesus accomplishing the work he's set to do in earth. So to wrap up that point, we just see the importance of solitude in this passage, but we also see the difficulty of solitude. Um, By entering into solitude and, and really removing distractions around us, we open ourselves up to experiencing our own loneliness, our own sorrow, and our own suffering. I think we all know that life is really hard. Dante said it a little more eloquently when he wrote, in the middle of the way of life, I find myself in a dark wood. In life, we all find ourselves in dark times, in lonely times, when we feel alone. And it's really easy in those times to avoid solitude and and avoid spending time with God. Often I avoid it by scheduling plans with people, keeping myself busy at work, listening to podcasts, watching a lot of Netflix. And if I stop and reflect on how I spend my time, I realize I avoid times of quiet, times when I'm alone with just myself and God, where my brain isn't being entertained by a show or occupied by a problem to be solved. I avoid it almost to like a pathological extent, if I'm honest. And we often want to avoid walking through suffering. I think this is something we all do, perhaps to different extents, and we actively try to shield ourselves from pain and distract ourselves from it. Henry Nouwen, who I'm going to quote later, says we are suffocated by the avoidance of pain. And we all have and will experience enormous pain in our lives, broken relationships, broken dreams, and loss. Solitude and the process of removing distractions requires us to confront that pain head-on to experience our own brokenness and our fear. And in this passage before the cross, before Jesus goes and and dies on the cross and is risen, that symbol that is the symbol of our faith, um, he he enters into the desert alone for 40 days and 40 nights into a period of solitude and trial. Jesus, who is fully God and fully human, had to confront the fullness of his humanity. And Jesus wasn't just experiencing physical pain. He was experiencing the pain of future loss. He was experiencing the knowledge that the journey he was about to embark on would end in the cross. I have to believe that the cross and that idea, that reality, had to come into his mind many times during those 40 days when he had removed food and company from himself, when he had removed all the worldly comforts that could distract him from the journey he was embarking on. So we see that he intentionally created space for God's will to shine through. But similar to us, Jesus was tempted to avoid suffering that would come with the cross and his call into ministry. He was tempted with a path that would prevent him having to die or to fully rely on God's will. The first way that we see in the passage that Satan um, tempts him is with bread and with physical comfort. So often we can get into trouble uh, when we turn to physical comforts to distract ourselves from our own pain. Often we try to combat this by trying to be more disciplined, but we actually get a different answer from Jesus here. He responds not with discipline, but with reliance on God. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This answer reveals that it is not the power of, it's not the triumph of the human will that really leads Jesus through this, but it is his his full reliance on the Heavenly Father. Satan then tells Jesus to throw himself off the temple, that his angels would catch him, He tries to provoke Jesus into some um, demonstration of his power. Instead, Jesus again acknowledges the power of the Father and tells Satan, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Finally, Satan offers him all the kingdoms of the world, saying that all this he will give to him if he will just remove God from the sinner and replace it with something else that can give him comfort and prestige and value. Again, Jesus rebukes Satan. Ultimately, we see Jesus as being tempted with a path that would give him security instead of surrender and that would give him comfort instead of suffering, or at least it promises that, but would ultimately also prevent the fulfillment of God's plan for grace to enter into the world. Jesus instead submits to the will of the Father and continues on the path the Father has set for him. When we confront our own solitude and our own suffering, we are confronted by the same temptations. When the loneliness and sorrow and fear close in, I know I'm so quick to reach for anything that can help me just distract myself from that, distract myself from, from having to walk through that suffering. These, the things that we reach to, whether it's a Netflix show or spending time with friends and family, aren't bad things. But they can prevent us from entering into the solitude that God is calling us to. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit in this passage into the desert. And God will sometimes call us into the desert as well. We have to have the courage to enter into solitude because in solitude there is space to confront the difficult things in life. Henry Nouwen, who was a Catholic priest, priest writes in his work, The Three Movements of the Spiritual Life, that in the midst of a turbulent, often chaotic life, we are called to reach out with courageous honesty to our innermost self, with relentless care to our fellow human beings, and with increasing prayer to our God. To do that, however, we have to face and explore directly our inner restlessness our mixed feelings towards others, and our deep-seated suspicions about the absence of God. We must first find the courage and to enter into the desert of our loneliness and change it by gentle and persistent efforts into a garden of solitude. It's, a really, it's a really honest um, from this priest what entering into solitude can feel like. It's difficult. The temptation is often to distract ourselves from our own pain and perhaps even our own calling. Jesus was tempted to abandon his calling, which he knew was the cross and place of fame and fortune. So we see that solitude is important and it's difficult. But when we have the courage to enter into our solitude and face our sorrow, we find two important things, rest and calling. The image and gives us helps us draw a distinction between loneliness and solitude. In loneliness, we often try and fail to distract ourselves from our own pain. In solitude, the path that God asks us to walk, we find rest. Because distraction from pain is not true rest. Rest isn't even the absence of suffering. Rest is throwing your full dependence on God in the middle of trial and allowing him to care for you. Rest is accepting God's love for you. One encouraging note is that this passage doesn't end with Jesus alone, famished in the desert, tempted by Satan. At the end of the passage, we see the angels come and tend to him. In fact, Jesus in his words here reveals that even in the middle of his solitude, before the angels come to him, he is being nourished by God. When he says, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is one of the most important points, I think. That in the middle of solitude, um, and that the journey into solitude Is more than just getting in touch with our own inner restlessness and tackling our pain. When we journey into solitude, we actually experience the Holy Spirit, the only source of true rest. God promises to meet us there. There will be times, and there have been times, and I'm sure you all have experienced this, where distractions from pain actually aren't even enough, right? Where those are the times when we really truly experience suffering. And, as, and those times are really hard. I'm not at all saying those times aren't heartbreaking. And sometimes they last a lot longer than we want them to. But it has been in those times when I've experienced God's love and care for me most strongly. When I finally, when I finally stopped turning to all the other stuff to make me feel good, and, and that all stuff, I realized what it really is. It can't really comfort me, and I finally turned to God. That's when the love of our true Father, the good Father, shines through for us. in addition to rest, we see that solitude involves calling. We see Jesus seek a time of solitude before the beginning of his ministry. This was a time of preparation, a time that involved the confrontation of temptation, but it also involved a calling and sending out into Jesus' ministry. Immediately after this in Matthew, um, he says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When we are willing to enter into solitude, we just don't stay there. We're actually called back out into the world. We see this throughout Jesus' time on earth, that again and again he gets called, he goes away into solitude, but then he gets called out to heal and to preach and to teach and to care for people. Matt often talks about how we're called, the called out ones, called into the heart of the Father, but then called back out into the world to share God's love. And this is the same thing we see here in Jesus' life and throughout his ministry. We're all called to be disciples of Jesus, regardless of what the world knows us as. This is our first call and our identity. Time and again, Jesus seeks solitude until ultimately he seeks the solitude of Gethsemane before his journey to the cross. The last point I want to make before we close up is that is it kind of echoes a point that David Kaler made a few weeks ago when he was preaching about the way of grace and the way of striving. David talked about our temptation to always be striving, and that's so easy to do here. It's so easy to see Jesus' model of solitude and fasting and think, how can I do that myself? And while, again, that isn't bad, we miss a central part of the passage, that God's love came first. Before Jesus enters into his ministry or even enters into the desert or does a single recorded miracle, he goes down in the water in his baptism and hears God say, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. As followers of Christ, we are all co-heirs with Christ. The path that Jesus, fully God and fully human, walked, we are now called into. And while that does include a call and a walk into solitude and into suffering and into calling, it um, it also includes surrender, and it begins with God's passionate love for us. So even though it involves a call into those things, it begins with God's passionate love for us and his love for us as his children. We don't have to strive. There is a mystery in prayer. And many Christian writers, when they talk about prayer, they, they do talk about the discipline required in prayer. But they also always talk about the fact that prayer is a gift. It's a gift from God. God has adopted us as his children. I am God's child, you are God's child, and he is well pleased with you. You are his beloved. We live in a success-oriented society, and it's so easy to see this and think how we can best approach the standard Jesus sets. But we do that, we again, we miss that time when Jesus went under the water of God's love and heard him say, He heard his Heavenly Father just rejoice over him. And this love isn't a pit stop to fuel Jesus so he can make it through these 40 days. It's a relationship. A relationship where Jesus is modeling dependence on the Father dependence on his love, and it's this relationship that sustains him and continues to sustain him throughout his ministry. His fasting and his prayer, rather than being superhuman efforts, are actions of surrender. Rather than performance of stri- or striving, they are acknowledgements that we live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is a mystery. We have to seek solitude while understanding it is a gift from God, and it's something I'm only now sort of starting to work towards. But when I mess up, or when I forget about it, or when I avoid it, I just return to God's word over each of us. You are my child, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. One final point is that when we're cultivating this garden of solitude, it actually doesn't take away from the importance of community. In fact, having solitude of the heart, even the middle of a crowd, allows us to confront our own pain and more intently listen and care for the pain of others. It's also a journey that, ironically, we don't have to do alone. Um, In a little bit, when we do communion, Allison Otwell is going to be up here, and if there's anything that you all would want to pray about, she is there for you. We're on this journey together. And when we seek solitude, it actually ties us to our community and the people around us, rather than pulling us apart. So as we go into this next week, um, I think the prayer is having asking God for the courage to enter into the solitude of our heart and be willing to experience our own pain. Because God promises to meet us there, to provide us rest, and to use it as a way to bring his grace and healing into the world. Jesus says in John sixteen thirty three, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your model for us, and more importantly, Lord, thank you for going to the cross and being risen. We know you're alive. We know you have given us your Holy Spirit. Lord, in the middle of our doubts, our doubts about people, even our doubts about you, Lord, I pray that we would be able to enter into the solitude. And God, we know that you will meet us there, that you will provide us rest, you will provide us calling. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.